Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool for manufacturers, retailers, and everyone in between. Now sit back, enjoy the show, and do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome, Ryan, to the UK Flooring Podcast. Putting Florida one side, the uninitiated, who is Ryan Fisher? So, uh, I'm 42. I'm a father of three kids. My eldest daughter's six years old, so about three under six. Um, I'm engaged to be married. Um, sports mad. Played sports from a young age, footy, cricket, golf. Love watching sport. I don't get much time to play sport anymore, and I'm getting too old to play sport. Yeah, I had a, I had a good good education growing up. I went to a really good school. Mum and dad sort of, uh, yeah, made me take an exam to go to this uh, local school, which has got a fantastic reputation. And uh, I got into that, and I love school. Got some good GCSEs. Uh, then, obviously, you get to a certain age after GCSEs where vices come into it and distractions and things like that. So I do. didn't really do as well in my A-levels as I should have done. I was... Was it a private school or just state school? No, just a state school. Heaven do I grammar school. Brilliant, brilliant school. Um, oh, massively into uh, achievement and things like that. It's like got big gravitas in our area. And uh, my old man went there. So it was like a big thing that uh, I got in there. Um, I got to be weird to go there. I wasn't naturally probably clever enough to get in there, but they got me in, they worked hard, sort of got me in there. And it, it was brilliant for me was, uh, you know, I used I went to school with kids that went to end up Oxford, Cambridge, and didn't have to put much effort in. Uh, they were just naturally really clever people. And I had to work my ass off to, you know, get the GCs that I got. But I was lucky to go to that school, you know, uh, great teachers. Really, I loved it. And uh, like I say, I went, stayed on for sixth form uh, to do my A-levels. And uh, yeah, distractions. Uh, didn't quite achieve what I needed to, to go to the universities that I'd chosen. I was going to go away, you know, to Loughborough. Yeah. Uh, in the Midlands, but didn't get the grades. Uh, so uh, results day were pretty horrific. Uh, sat in the school playground with me, head in my hands, <laughs> ringing up uh, universities, trying to get on courses uh, because I got rejected from uh, the ones that I'd picked. So I ended up going to a local unis. I ended up going to, um, I went to Leeds Met first and uh, I dropped out of that course. Um I think I I didn't really embrace university because I went to local university and I lived at home. Right. So I didn't really embrace the student life. I loved the sports side of things. Leeds Met were amazing for football. We used to travel around country, play all the different universities. And that's kind of all I went for. I didn't really get involved with lectures. and Yeah, so I dropped out of that and then went to Bradford University to do business management. Osterdale, Bradford. Yeah. You what? Costa del Bradford. Costa del Bradford. Yeah, Lloyd. yeah. It, it were actually quite a good uni. Uh, I got. A, I ended up scraping a drinker's degree, right? Uh, by skin of my teeth. But uh, again, I didn't really embrace it. I didn't really. I mean, I didn't even turn up for my last year. I uh, I just went for the exams uh, to get the degree because while I was doing that, um, Anthony, who's one of the business partners. Uh, he had two shops and he couldn't really run one of the shops. He couldn't be in two places at once. Yes. So where uh, I was working like part-time in his in his carpet shop in Hammondwike, um, just for a bit of cash in hand. I used to take my laptop down and play a championship manager all day. I used to take Peterborough to um the uh, premiership and to the uh, uh, European Cup finals and stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, Uddersfield Town, they used to, yeah, try and get them to the premiership. Uh, and I used to work there part, part time, didn't see a soul all day sometimes. It was a little tiny shop. Uh, it could only fit nine foot by four meter roll ends of carpets in. Yeah. All the 
displays where um, all the carpet samples were discontinued. Even the reps didn't call in. It was it was a shit all basically. It wasn't it wasn't a very nice place. But obviously, I was working part time. I wasn't bothered um, for a bit of cash in hand. There was an Indian restaurant upstairs, and it and it so it stunk curry. Uh, there were some stray cats in the back storeroom. It, were, it was horrendous. Um, but people called in and they used to buy little bits of carpet and stuff like that. But I wasn't bothered because I used to play travel manager all day. During my final year, like I said, I didn't really turn up. I didn't go because Anthony had said, like, what do you want to do when you finish? Yeah. And I said, I, I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. I wanted to be like my business studies teacher and my geography teachers because they were just awesome teachers. They were just great guys that you wanted to go into school every day and learn from them. You didn't want to mess about. You wanted to, they just inspired me. Do you know what I mean? And I used to think I'd love to be like him. I'd, I want to be a teacher and have a relationship with the students like they have. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. But Anthony kind of dangled the carrot and said, you know, why don't we split this up as a, as a separate entity, a separate business? You get you 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 get the reps in, get the displays all up to date, lick a pen, let's see what we can do, and sort of mulled it over. And yeah, we we decided myself, best friend Chris, who I went to school with, he was a carpet fitter who'd worked with Anthony for quite a number of years. He didn't, he didn't go to university, so he, he he started off as a carpet fitter after yeah. after GCCs. So he could fit, and we said, right, Chris will do the fitting. I'll run the shop. Anthony's got his own shop a couple of miles away. Uh, he's a sleeping partner. Yeah. So we put three and a half K in each for a bit of working capital. We bought some rolls of vinyl, two metre and three metre vinyl. And yeah, so I didn't go to my last year of uni. We'd set up the business, 2003. Got it going. And uh, yeah, people started to come through the door a bit more. You obviously, I were a business person at 22, you know what I mean? I wanted to make a success of it. So um, yeah, we started off first year, 60K turnover. You know, it's, it's nothing, is it? But we, we were making the best of it. We were trying to grow the business. After um, quite a few years, we we increased turnover and things like that, but it was a little shop. We kind of we was in the shadow of a few local really good retailers who had brilliant reputations. Um, where pe- people used to come into my store and buy a little bit of a rural end, and they'd sell me the the, the full house done by uh, Lockwood Carpets down the road who've been going forty years. You know, yeah, it yeah. got a bit soul destroying because I used to think to myself, you know, I've got this degree and. Where am I going with this? You know what I mean? I, I can only I could only see it going so far. And uh, there were a couple of times, yeah, where I, I kind of decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And I even applied for like reps jobs. And um, I, think, I think we've all done that. It's uh, literally, I've had enough of this. Yeah. What <laughs> am I doing? Not yeah. seeing a soul all day. What am I doing? What am I doing? Just yeah. seeing a rep and just talking to a rep and, you know, I used to read some newspaper like two times in a day, because <laughs> and yeah, we we've been we made the best of it, and gradually like we did, you know, we we were good at what we did, and customers were really happy with what we did, and it was just we didn't have the store or the shop, and we started to get messed about by his landlord, is the guy from the curry place upstairs, and then basically he used to see people leave his curry place and go to a taxi office, like literally five minutes walk away from his Indian restaurant. And he obviously thought to himself, right, I can make some money out of this. So what he decided to do was take a chunk of our shop for a taxi office. And we were like, no, you can't do that. It's like, we've got a lease. Yeah. And he were like, no, 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 we, we're going to change the lease and we're going to... I'm going to take this section and he was sort of like marking it out with his hands as if it were going to be tiny and it was just madness and all of a sudden these lads came in to do the work and it took him like taking a chunk of the shop away while we were operating. It was just yeah. shambles. Yeah. It was shambles and we were like, what are we going to do? It was just before Christmas in 2008. So we, Anthony, he fell into some problems with his landlord where he was two miles away in Batley. 
we started looking for premises and um, we noticed this empty building on this major set of traffic lights uh, two miles away from where we are, where we were. And uh, we went to view it and we opened it on it. We just, it was perfect. It yeah. was ideal. It was just an empty shell, nothing in it, but really tall ceiling. So we could fit big roll ends around the edges and things like that. We're like, this, this is perfect. This is, you know, it's meant to be. Is this? So we basically did a bit of a flip from that shop, got everything out in a day, and we'd signed the lease on the other shop. Did all that up over one Christmas and um, moved in together as a business. Like we, our business, Anthony wound up his business and we, we went to business together as opposed to being you know, two separate entities. Yeah. But from 2009, we've been where we've been and we kind of sort of built it from scratch there to where we are now. Um, How does that look now uh, for the listeners? What 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 does the business look like this week, last week, last month? Like, what what? how would you describe the business now? Now, from where we were in 2009, we're hugely different business. We, we sort of made the move to go more to sort of mid to top end. Um, round about sort of 2014, we installed a mezzanine floor in that in the shop we're in. We yeah. kind of doubled the size of our showroom, and we wanted to attract the brands. We did, we did the mezzanine, and we got the new lease to attract the brands because between 2009 2014, I was kind of sick of people coming into the store. Asking for certain brands yeah. that we we didn't we didn't offer, and you could just tell that these brands were just that's what the people wanted, and that's what them customers wanted. They didn't want the alternative cheaper products that I was showing them. Yeah, saying saying oh, oh this is the same thing. It's all made in China, blah, blah, blah. like what people say. They they wanted the brands. They weren't interested in what are kind of the alternative options. So we wanted, we invited one of them with the major LVT brand uh, to come and see us to open the account before we put the mezzanine in. And it basically, yeah, they basically were honest with us. They told us, you're not our type of store. And the cat said, well, could you try to tell me why? And they were like a tub of a DC that side with, bits of adhesive sprawling outside of it and open bags of screed and things like that. And they're saying customers that come and shop for our product kind of don't want to see that. They want to see a nice, tidy, clean store. Yeah. So I took it on board and I thought, yeah, you're right, actually. You're absolutely spot on. They absolutely ripped into us, like, really, like, about where we were at at the time, where you need to be to have, it, to have the account sort of thing. So, yeah. Got the new lease, put the mezzanine in, made it like a really nice showroom, got them back, said, what do you think? And they said, yeah, yeah, brilliant, love it. Um, you know, kind of, if you could put your stands here and here and here, and yeah, let's go from there. And ever since then, so 2014, mezzanine opened, um, the sales turnover gone through the roof, the growth has gone through the roof and yeah. kind of we all looked back and all the other brands kind of fell into place. Once we got that one brand, they all wanted to be on board. Okay. So from big, like I used to go to Harrogate Show and things like that and sort of talk to these big brands and they go, oh, where are you again? Oh, uh, uh, Bristol Satellite. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll come see you. And they never showed up then. You know what I mean? He's got our trade is a little bit, little bit like that, and been knocked back quite a few times down the years. And then, yeah, we made a showroom, beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm really proud of it. And it, but we are now a major player where we are. I yeah. consider as major, and um, yeah, we've got all the best brands, in my opinion, on board. And that's what brings customers to our shop. Um, there's a couple of couple of things out we want I wanted to pull together on this, which 
following Dean's podcast last week um, and other podcasts I've had, and as 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 people know on the podcast, um, know me or don't, um, I've had mobile showrooms. I've had big retail shops, beautiful, you know, six-figure uh, refit shop, um, et cetera. So I've done exactly very similar similar story to yourself. My first one was in a in a 2,000-quid porter cabin um, that I bought off a scrap man that we painted black and it looked, but it's not quite the same as your um, um, having the cats in there and the smell of curry, but it wasn't far off, if I'm honest. So one thing I wanted to ask was your opinion on, let's say there is a really professional fitter of a product near you. What would be your frustrations? Now, you've done this, like, painstaking journey of authority is the best word, from people not taking you seriously to now people, like, now you can choose who you deal with. You could probably close one of your accounts today and say, and go to someone else and they jump at it. But before it wasn't like that, you were kind of having to prove yourself. What's your frustrations with the smaller guys not wanting to open a showroom, um, but wanting to buy from your suppliers? That's that's one thing I wanted to address. That was a long question, that. I can put you think you got the idea. I do, I do get the idea. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. We, yeah, we, I mean, we've invested a lot, a lot of money to get the showroom to basically attract the clients. It's all customer led is all this. And it's like those big brands, they invest as well, don't they? In, in, in us, in terms of the, what they want us to deliver in terms of a customer experience. Yeah. So for instance, like I won't name names, but the, the LVT people, account that we're we've got the account with it ain't just stands and i mean it looks absolutely beautiful it's a, it, it, you talk about world-class experience for the for the client and we we can offer that in our showroom because we've got bricks and mortar showroom i don't think a man in a van can offer that world-class experience in terms of the selling point, the the selection, yeah, because people want to see the large samples, the larger sample boards. You know, the the, the displays are the beautiful, the the the, the mere car showroom, and you've got the literature with the showroom. You know what I mean? It's all built for a a client experience, and I don't think they can deliver that from a van. No. And which is what the brands, the brands obviously recognise that, and that's why they kind of say, "Sorry, I can't deal with you because you can't offer our the potential customer that's that wants to buy that particular LVT." Well, I've got, yeah, I've got hand in hand. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going. To, I've got a a more difficult question for you. Uh, well, first of all, off the top of your head, what do you think you've invested? In your LVT display on the ground floor of your shop, I've been I've been in the shop, so I, yeah. What as a figure? Where do you think you are on the current display investment wise, monetary wise? There is a reason I'm not just being nosy, but yeah, about forty, about forty grand, about forty grand. Okay, so this is my controversial view, and some people may agree, and some people won't. So if you had forty grand sat in your empty shop, okay, and then we. You went out to the market to try and source the best LVT products available, and that might be from your current supplier, so we're not discounting them. Um, And we built in a custom-built LVT display of everything that you've learned within the industry, but it then has your branding on the LVT display. Okay, so we even have TV screens, we have this. And, I mean, I know... You invest in your staff. You invest in your marketing. Um, so I've got an unfair advantage of knowing like how many times your website's getting hit. So you're already doing the world-class service element. Do you think you would still operate at the level you're doing if everything had your brand on it? Because, you know, I mean, you spend a fortune on marketing for good, for good reason. 
and on the shop fitel. But if you spend that forty grand on Ryan rather than on someone else, like yeah, on the fit out, how do you think the shop would? What what do you think the difference would be in your opinion? Big question. It is a good question because in in my opinion, there's only kind of the LVT market is huge and it it's, it's taken off massively and. Out of the brands, there's kind of only one that, like with wood, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, if we if we change that one brand that we've got in and put CVS wood floor in, I don't think it'd make much difference. But that one brand that with the LVT, I think it would. I think would it be detrimental to us if we didn't have that. If we didn't have them on board. Um, like that, we're top of their website for searches for a vast distance around us. Yeah, we get so we get a lot of people visiting our store off the back of that. Not they've not kind of googled us per se. No. They've googled that, and I just think it holds that much weight in the client's mind, the brand. That, yeah, you could you could debrand everything in your store, and I still think people would. Walk away because they want that side of it with us running marketing. Um, yeah, I will name drop for this purpose Candine and Antico. People are searching online Candine Antico. Yes, some of them definitely recognize it as a brand. I'm not going to bad mouth that sort of thing. But what people assume Candine Antico are because they're so brand relevant is what they mean is LVT. So they're actually searching for LVT. But they think LVT is candy. So the, the, you know, they the, the marketing guys at Candy and Antico have done their job really well because they've completely brand dominated it. So someone that maybe doesn't have them brands in their shop, someone comes in and says, do you do Antico? Or will we do this? And it's, it, you know, it's the same thing, like as in it's the same piece of plastic with a picture on of, of a tree. Um, it's not the same. It might not be the same manufacturer, <laughs> et cetera. But do you see what I mean? It's like, They've come looking for a car, not a Bentley, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. Like, what car would you like? So that's why I'm always looking at this sort of thing of, are they looking for that brand or are they looking for LBT? Because when people are searching LBT, the search, that search term is not that actively searched, but search for a Candine floor or Antico floor, it's searched for. Yeah. So it's a mental because... There's so many, you know, there's probably worse products. There's probably better products out there in the LVT market. You know, I'm not going to start saying one's better than the other because they're all on thickness and quality and all that type of stuff. Mm. But down to that client experience when the client walked into the shop, how they greeted that customer journey, within reason, I think it's a very thin line if they would buy anything from you as long as the experience in the showroom is world class. That's, mm. you know, um, and also how it's presented. Um and also who's selling it. That's that's the other thing. If we, again, in your showroom, you've got wood upstairs, you've got um, LVT down, I'm pretty confident if we put a wood display downstairs and put your LVT upstairs, your LVT would probably half and your wood sales would go through the roof just by swapping the showroom around. I'm not suggesting that's a good idea. I'm just <laughs> suggesting that's the first thing that they're going to see and say, wow, what a showroom. Then, you know, if you had a, you know, a brilliant um, wood salesman there as well, yeah, it's just the way the business is. And I've always seen that when I've been in the probably thousands of shops is when they walk into the shop, be greeted with this wow, which is what you've got, but it's the wow of, have you seen this brand? Um, yeah. Which, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very thin line, but I think it's, it's always. There's been a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. And one thing to give them credit is, um, yeah, let's let's say it for what it is. Antico is is they're the big account for us, and the the backup that we get with them, you know, in terms of like you talked about sales, there, you know, they do. If we've taken on a new member of staff, they're in there training, training with them. Do you know what I mean? The support is first class. There ain't anybody else in our industry that that certainly that we deal with that have done that for us as part of the package, as part of you know, we kind of 
all in together. And yeah, you know, we don't offer any other brand. That's kind of how we've gone with it. Because we, we're only with them. They're only with us. And I know what they get a lot of people's back up. And I think it is because probably, yeah, they haven't got access to the product. But we're all in with them and kind of we need that exclusivity and protection to do the figures that we do. So And protect your investment as well. Protect the investment, yeah. And and they do offer that. You know, talk about the grounds and how in 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 the in the in the perception of the customer's mind, like you say, the, the people think that they're buying Antico or Candide, they're not buying a luxury vinyl tile. Yeah. When people come in the shop for a carpet, you know, Brinton's used to be massive, didn't it? And people used to ask for that, but there isn't really a single carpet manufacturer I can think of where people come in now and say, I want a so-and-so carpet. I want a so-and-so carpet. They want a carpet. They want good advice. Yeah. Uh... You're talking Tens of people a week coming into our store specifically asking for Amtico. And that's credit to them for, like you say, the marketing. Been around a long time. And um, it works for us. And like I said, we, we kind of need that protection. And just going back to Dean, like, massive respect for for the guy to win the, you know, LBT for a year. I, I get that. And, and I think to myself... Yeah, you could hear him like mulling over the fact about opening the store and you, you give him your advice. And I get that. And it's like, I mean, this is in the best way. Like, you can't really shake and eat it, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. You like what you were saying about work life balance as well. Like, if you open that store, you need to man it and do this and that. And that's what Antico kind of would expect. They've got, um, things in place to say, look, if you want the account, you need to do this, this, and this, because we want you to deliver that client experience. Um, Dean's got an unbelievable talent, obviously, but I just think if if I was, if he was near, look at near me as a retailer, I'd be saying to him, come work for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, you'd he'd be a massive asset to someone near there, and if he can collaborate with a with a Candine dealer or an Antico dealer, he can earn what he wants to earn, I'm sure. And the shop, you know what I mean? He's got access to the product, to fit the product, but am I, am I making myself clear? Kind of, yeah. But the question <laughs> I've got you is, I mean, I know the sort of pressure you've got to put yourself under to get as many bums through your shop door, how many fitters are going out, et cetera. And again, this is, it's probably not even, this is just generic. Um, and it's more, what do you think the advantages and disadvantages of, um, I said in general, of having a big shop with big overheads and then having, let's say, even a small unit or a mobile showroom, but if you could earn the same type of money, you know, like where do you see the pros and cons? Because I can see both because, again, I've had the same size shop as you. I've also had a mobile showroom. So I, I've seen pros and cons for both. But there, you know, there's um but there is categorically, you know, um mentally, physically, and emotionally, a lot more pressure to me running much bigger overheads. Um oh, your yeah. take on that, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got sixteen fitters out on road, eight members of staff now. We've grown Massively, and and that yeah, it does take its toll. Massively, uh, I think for me, I've always looked at the business long term. Always wanting to add value, always wanting to grow, so that yes, one day someone might come along and say, "I want to give you X amount for that." Is that the goal? Is that the goal eventually? to uh, go and be on a beach in uh, Marbella somewhere. Someone else takes over. Might be more like Markham Beach, right? No, I just think, yeah, it's always been about the value of the business for me. And like I say, you can only probably, if you sell a man in a van sort of operation, 
Yeah. It's only going to be worth so much, isn't it? And I think we, we're working towards hopefully buying our um, property where, we, where we're based. And then with what we turn over and, yeah, what we do business-wise, I think we've got a really good concern there. And, um, you know, I've got to look. You've got, there's always got to be an end game, aren't there? You've got to work towards something. And I think that's why I've always been from day one wanting to build a valuable business that it, it will be worth something, you know. Yeah. And I, I know I hope to think it'll be worth a lot of money because of, you know, the books are great. We've got, we've been going 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Anthony set it up in 1994. So the name itself, even though we just rebranded, Carpet and Vital Showroom has been around our area since 1994. Um, so, you know, we've been around a long time. And uh, build a legacy and build that, that size. So that's a re- really good answer to that question. I, 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 it gives a different spin on why you would want to stay small. Yeah. Or- I mean, and I think for Dean, like Dean, Dean's got access to tons of prom- products, and it because there are suppliers out there who just, yeah, they'll deal with anybody. And he, with his LVT for a year, Wells is oyster, isn't it? Like he's, he's, he can earn a packet doing what he's doing. And yeah, going to cause it. I understand what you said about him. If he takes on the shop, it kind of be a backward step for him individually. But in 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 the time he's got left to, for his career, he can earn, he can earn, he's given himself the tools to earn yeah. a lot of money. I think that's what a lot of people don't. When people go from fitter to shop, they think it's um, this is again definitely not a dean. This definitely not. This is just the generic. People go, I'm going to open a shop, and then suddenly the money's going to be like amazing. And it's like, it's like, because loads of people, clients come to us and say, We want to open a shop, and you want your help. Why do you want to do that? Oh, well, the margins are this, the margins are that. I said, Well, is that why you want to open a shop? Yeah. Well, have you looked at all the costs of a shop? Then you take off your margin. It's actually not any different for what you're earning now. All right. Well, that's not a good enough reason to own a shop. You to create a legacy and create something that you can sell at the end is completely different to looking at the smaller picture of uh, like, you know, I can just earn a bit more money because you've got to be in it for the long game. The only way a shop is is long game stuff. It's it's not going to be, it, it's it's time, time, effort, blood, sweat, tears, plenty of yeah. tears. Um, yeah. And then dusting yourself off and going again. Uh, and as you said, exactly. dealing with rejection and dealing with confrontation of people, you know, and then and going from there. So a lot of people see the rainbows and the pound signs but <laughs> there's a lot of uh, not not rainbows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the highs and lows that we've had since 2003. Uh, yeah, you just. I mean, yeah. Every day is a different day. I love it. I absolutely love. I love it. Our industry, our our, our business. You know, I love the. I love. I love what we've done. I love. You know, we've put put in some hard yards, mate. You know what I mean. Yeah. Them days between 2003 and 2009 where, yeah, I didn't see a soul all day. Soul destroying. Absolutely soul destroying. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like uh, it's all come to fruition. We're only just starting. Do you know what I mean? It's, I came on Flooring Freedom beginning of this year and um, again, opened my eyes to spot so many different things to improve, to grow again. Um, I was talking to a rep actually over there and he were like, he saw a certificate, you know, the foreign freedom call certificate in, in the shop. He said, but what, what did you go on that for then? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, oh, I didn't really think you had hope to learn. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, like, there's so many people in our, our industry and any industry that you could benefit from kind of like business coaching and I took a massive amount away from that, um, not just business, personally. Um, like since, remember, we, we chatted about sort of personal improvement this year, sort of since then, I've kind of like, yeah, signed up to personal training, um, get up at five on the morning now, do a bit of, do a bit of weight training, 
I've lost a stone in weight. Not that I kind of needed to, but I just like feel great. Do you know what I mean? And you've got to be robust when you're carrying such a weight on the shoulders. You've got with any business, no matter if it's flooring or whatever, you you've got to be looking after yourself before anyone else. You know, you can't be responsible for anyone until you've took responsibility for yourself. Um, so That's it. Yeah. So yeah, I only look. I always want to learn. I always want to get an edge. You know, we've got some good retailers on our doorstep, and you just—I think one of the podcasts that were Chris, Chris Bixby said, um, "You've got to, you've got, you can't give an excuse to go anywhere else." Yeah, and that's 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 what I strive for. Kind of every day is like that customer satisfaction. That you know, when we get a five-star review come through, on it's that's. That for me was gets me out of bed. I'm not really money motivated. Maybe should be. Do you know what I mean? Maybe should be more money motivated. Um, it's it's yeah. the result. And I said that today um, with somebody I had a meeting with this morning. It's about the results and not the money to me. So if I get a 60 quid or 60 grand sale, I don't actually feel a difference between the value. It's the results. I'm like, well, I actually got this result for you. You know, yeah. this is, we, you've paid us to do this job. And we got you the result you want and a bit more. And that's that it's the same as flooring, you know, like you've delivered, you wanted a, your dream floor. You you kind of get the same buzz from someone that maybe does some six ninety nine line or in a bathroom where, you know, Mrs. Jones is like absolutely over the moon. Or a forty get forty grand antico job that's took you six months to win. When you sign it off and they bring you a bottle of wine, it's kind of the same buzz, really. You know, it's a, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, there's no better feeling. I think look at the they well, I only made sixty quid off the off the vinyl, and I made six grand off the you know off the other. But I think the the lift is the same to me. It's not like you don't get a heavier lift if the if the buzzing with the job and buzzing with the service and really thought you delivered value. You know, it's it's the same. Well, I did that type of thing. So it's yeah, yeah, and then like you said, the money takes care of itself. That's why I've always fought long term is. Keep customers happy. You know what I mean? They're going to tell other people. I think uh, that, that's the most important thing, and that's uh, as you've been on Flying Freedom, that's one of the things by just looking after what you've got and keep feeding that. Um, you know, it's um, and and then remarketing to get new people into the into the channel. Um, it's just like you're getting the right customers, not the wrong customers. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's been very targeted, very soft. Yeah, I suppose well, 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 what we did with you for. For carpets, you had a load of carpets you needed to move, so we just put all energy in the carpets, and miraculously, what sold carpets? Precisely, and they're like, yeah, we we're performing brilliantly, like year on year, we've always got it up, and there's so many things that we're not doing on the back of learning from foreign freedom that we can now implement going forward, which will push us on and on and on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. You know, like you talk about the um, when the client comes in pre pre qualification, pre qual, yeah. You know, starting to get, I'm starting to do staff meetings. I've never really done staff meetings. You know, like talk about pre qualifying and whittle out the time wasters. We got a folder out the other day, and it was rejected quotes from this year. Yeah, and it, you know, it's a big folder. You know, we sort of looked at him. We thought, Jesus, that's a lot of time wasted. That, and you know, if we can whittle that down by half next year, then you know what I mean. We're doing something right, and it's always kind of just move forward all the time. And the thing about pre qualification is just asking great questions and showing an interest. So again, it doesn't have to come across as salesmanship or like selling them anything. It's asking questions to check that they're really like. It's a really good fit for the business, but that can be done in a really pleasant and amicable way. And if it's not, if it's not, if it's not going to work, so be it. But if we can help you, fantastic. But then on the commercial side of it, um, you know, you're not wasting more time. You're not sending the estimator out. You're not, you're not also getting the job scraping by and then doing the job and then wish you'd never bothered. It's all, it's all the questions you ask at the beginning. Um, yeah. Granted, it's, and again, adds to the customer experience. You know, it's like, 
if if someone's getting shown a product in any shop and then they don't get uh, they just get a product thrown in front of them and said, "What do you think of that?" That that's not a great pre-qualification. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and uh, you know, and if they have, like Chris said, if they have to go somewhere else, um, you've not asked the right questions. Normally, I mean, some people will insist going somewhere else, but you know, normally, if you've asked the right questions, it's a no-brainer for them to either come back to you or um, or, or do business with you there and then. So it's so obviously you've come from. Curry smelling stray cat, um, you know, to sort of multi side, um, a lot of fitters. But what what do you feel is next for you, Ryan, next year? What's what's going to be the big moves for next year? We're just taking on a new full time member of staff as uh, beginning of the next month. Yeah, coming on board. Really excited about that because, um, again, um, We've got brilliant staff. Like we've built a superb team, and I'm really proud of all of them. Like they've all been in the flooring industry, they're all experienced, they all know what they're doing. We're all competent. Uh, the customers love them. Um, we needed that. We needed that extra sales staff um, to. Um, yeah, I think like we do a lot of quotations, and we're not chasing them up. I think you did a podcast a while ago about leaving it, leaving leaving money on the table. Yeah. And um, that's going to be their job is you know turning them into into jobs. So, well, yeah, next year get you know busier. Want to be busier? Um, I want to get more potential out of this warehouse. It's huge, and we're kind of not utilizing it fully. Um, I want to get an eBay account set up, get stuff moving quicker. I looking at uh, diversifying a little bit. I'm really intrigued by the resin. We've got a couple of lads coming up on your resin course. Yeah. Um, we've got a bit of a contract with a pub, pub, like pub refurbishments, and they've expressed interest in the kitchens, you know, being done in resin, okay. which we kind of, as we are now, we, we, we'd offer that service and it'd be good to get good to get into that. We've, you know, we've, the wheels are oyster. Like, we're not getting full potential out of this business where we are now. Um, and, We've got a great business, so it's it's just that again. Keep adding value, keep learning, keep pushing, keep keeping the high the standards high. Yeah, that's that bloody following up. <laughs> the fortune isn't the follow up turn, and then if you not get the feedback from the follow up as well, that's the main thing. Yeah, implementing yeah. implementing the visions of the company within the staff. You know, we're not like. They've done staff meetings before and a lot of start scheduling regular staff meetings and all that will add to going the right direction you know an increase in turnover an increase in profit yeah, i love that um so few questions standard podcast ones um what flooring have you got fitted at home <laughs> surprise surprise uh, I've got. You're gonna. You're gonna stay can. You're gonna say candy, and I. Um. Yeah. Antique all downstairs. Yeah. Uh, I knew it. Like I said, I've got three kids under six, so it gets some serious ammo. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy with that. Happy with his durability. One from the foot. Uh, we've got some Brockway carpet on the stairs, like a, like a nice chunky loop pile, me. Yeah. And then a um. Just a soft fluffy Saxony for the uh, bedrooms. Did you choose all of them, or were any of them left off a job? <laughs> yeah, the the box room's got about three seams in it. <laughs> I'm not that tight. I'm from Yorkshire, but I'm not that tight. But if the kids were all grown up, like yeah, teenagers and left, um, I would probably consider like a wood floor all downstairs. Yeah. Like a really nice, like off whitey kind of really light. That's what I've got. But I, I've got two kids and a Labrador. But uh, mm. uh, yeah, I have to be a bit more careful. If I give you a thousand quid now and you have to spend it by five o'clock, what would you spend it on? I need to get married, man. <laughs> been engaged. We've been engaged a while. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It needs to happen now. So uh, yeah, three kids under six. Like they're all in nurseries and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like. Grand dog day every day, sort of going out to work and 
paying nursery fees. I just got nothing left, and we're trying to. Yeah, we want. I want to get married. So go ahead, wedding. Towards that, mate. Wedding fund, love it. Yeah. Um, what is the current least favorite part of your job in the business? Dealing with human beings. <laughs> You're in the wrong business, then. Yeah. But, no, like uh, I obviously we've grown from just myself in a shop, so all in fairs and eight members of staff, and I do struggle with. Um, yeah, um, what's the best? Man management is right. the best. Yeah, I, I sometimes really struggle because this business is like, it's my baby and, you know, it's also the partner's baby and they did, Anthony helps me out with the, um, with the man management side of things. He's really good at that. He's brilliant at that. So people, people are going to see my business the way I see it, and I, but I still struggle kind of sometimes to understand that. Uh, to some people, it's a nine-to-five, isn't it? The job yeah. is a job. They've got their own dreams and they've got their own worries outside of it. So I do, I do, I have struggled with the man management side of things. But having said that, you know, I love, I love the staff. We don't have staff turnover. I've never had kind of anybody that's really left us or anything like that. Well, yeah, I do. I kind of micromanage too much probably. Because the story's laid out later, I can kind of hear conversations going on and I can hear, and sometimes I interject and because I want it said like this or I want it dealt with like that, and I kind of should just leave them to, uh, they've got a job to do at the end of the day and the good day. So I do struggle with that. No, love that. Uh, if you could change your profession today, what what would it be? What would you, what would you and it can't be in Florida, I'd be a professional golfer. <laughs> that that'd just be amazing. Like what they what their what their life is like is just like I love golf. I don't play anywhere near as much golf as I'd like to. Yeah, and it's just an awesome sport, and uh, that's what would be the dream. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, three people you'd love to have a pint with, dead or alive. You knew this one was coming. I knew that one were coming. So yeah, that's what I've been working on. Uh, so number one, right? Number one is a guy called Jordan Peterson, clinical psychologist, Canadian fella. He is like, for me, he's like a bit of a living god. As such, like he's such an awesome human being. And he's the most misrepresented man, probably alive. Um, but he talks true from common sense. Yeah. I went to see I went to see him in Manchester with my missus. Me and my missus went to watch him. There was about three, four thousand people there. And everybody just like hung off every single word and standing ovation and all that. And we just think it's just a sad world sometimes that we live in that someone like him, and for all the good that he does and says, he's kind of people wanting to shoot him down and Want him to counsel him and this that and other. And I just if if people listening don't know anything about him, Google him or YouTube him because he's it's just it. a brilliant human being. You're gonna get that in everything though. As that, that's that's as it. Shop owners are gonna disagree with fitters. Fitters are gonna disagree with shop owners. Internet companies are gonna disagree with shop owners. And I think everyone's in their own opinion. Everyone's in their own world. Everyone's got their own purpose. And I think if everyone could just get along and, you know, as everyone's got integrity and um, honesty and reliability, the world can be better in one yeah. way. Well, that's you know, what he's saying. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same, you know, people are going to lo- love or hate lots of people, um, you know. Um, yeah. But like like we said about the the rep again, I'm, you know, saying, you know, why, why would you go on that? You know, people make assumptions of like, why would you bother going and do that? But it's like, well, then some other people go, well, why would I not go on that? You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it was crap, fair enough. But if it wasn't, you know, you know maybe you'd learn something, but you, you can only try. Uh, but yeah, love that. So who's yeah. number two? Number two would be Mickey Flanagan. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just think, like, comedians are just like, they are, like, geniuses to an extent. Like, that talent like super, super clever people are uh, comedians and he's hilarious, obviously. Like his jokes, just brilliant. In a world where you got to watch what you're saying and stuff like that, he's still like top of his game and 
it'd just be hilarious. Just imagine having a pint with him. You you wouldn't like you just sit there, wouldn't you, and just be entertained. Like like going for a pint with these three people, I'd just sit there. I wouldn't have anything to contribute to this conversation whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> the final one would be it's like two. Because I'm into sport. It'd be like Michael Jordan or Cristiano Ronaldo. Right. So like good good table this. A good table. Yeah. We can squeeze uh, we can squeeze them both in, but yeah, them two guys, like like for Ronaldo, for instance, right? There's that debate, Ronaldo Messi, Ronaldo Messi, and it's like Messi's probably naturally the most gifted footballer that's ever lived. And Ronaldo isn't as naturally gifted, but Ronaldo, with his determination and his mentality, basically he's got every sinew potential out of himself, any edge that he's to give himself to be better. He's he's done that. He's like a perfect athlete. You know, like you look at his body, his way he looks after himself, his will to win. He's not the most gifted footballer, in my opinion, ever. But he's made himself one of the best ever footballers just out of desire and passion and determination. I just think it's a class. The focus, I think, it's, it's the same even with, kind, kind of with... Um, making decisions in flooring shops, I've found, as well, bring it back, is about the laser focus. You know, will this take me closer to where we want to be or further away? You know, so it's like, you know, it's like these decisions. Even you say, right, we're going to open another shop 20 miles away. Then it's asking that question, is that going to take us closer to the dream or further away? You know, what what are the risks and all that type of stuff? And you see with the sportsman, you know, they're just trying to get that one percent better, one percent. What is it? And obviously, that's why some of them fall off the wagon because they get they get. Oh well, I want to be at number one, but the problem is, then when you become number one, what do you what do you do then? You know, yeah. so, you know, I suppose it could even happen to you. You know, if someone came with a big bag of money and said, Ryan, um, you know, I'd like to buy buy your business. Um, you know, he's a he's a decent seven seven eight figure figure, and they'd be sat at home going, What do I do now? Play golf. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a golf course and uh, <laughs> golf, and then you'd be like, "I'm sick of golf now. I'd rather sell some vinyl on a Saturday." Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, you see, it's, it's really good studying that the, the uh, sports people of just getting that extra one percent out, one percent, and and the why. As long as the why is strong, I think that's the it works with everything, doesn't it? You can yeah. bring their pulls in every business. Love that. Great, great table. Uh, so I'd, I'd also add uh, Ian from uh, Burra Flooring. He's <laughs> got to be on there, hasn't he? He's got to be on the table. Oh, he's a good lad to have a pipe with or a cup of tea. It's, uh, oh, does he not drink? Uh, well, I don't really think he does drink, but he prefers a cup of tea. I think it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can only, I've, had, I've shared a cup of tea with obviously, uh, before the podcast. Yeah. He's, uh, He's a good lad, really, really clever lad. I, I love some of the stuff he's done. Yeah. Uh, brilliant here as well. I, I like anyone that pushed their own brand. I've actually come slightly unprepared here. I should have asked you what the question the last person asked, but I'm going to ask you to give me a question. Give me a question for the next podcast guest. What would you want me to ask, even though you don't know who they are? I don't know who they are either, so what would you ask them? Oh, shit. I was thinking about this last night when, yeah, listened to another one and I thought, I wrote anything down. Uh, <laughs> I think I can remember one of the questions. While you're thinking about that, um, how would you feel if you had to do flooring for the rest of your life? If I had to do my job for the rest of my life, I'd be, yeah, I'd be sound with that. Yeah. Obviously, there is, a, like, yeah, there is an end game. I want to kind of get, I want to get out at some point, but it's a job that I could do until long. 75, whatever, because, yeah, I don't do the fitting side of things, do the running and the, the other bits, but um, so it's not, yeah, it's not sort of physically tasking the way I do. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I could, I, I don't want to do it for the rest of my life, but. You want to be on that golf course? I want to be on that golf course, yeah. Because <laughs> you can play when you're 90. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so what question would you ask for my next guest that you'd really like to know? Personal, business, flooring, whatever you want. The, the questions that come to me are the ones that you ask, like what got you into the flooring trade? What would you be if you 
what would you want to be if you weren't in the foreign trade? Um, dream, yeah, dream job. No problem. Let me put it. Kind of what else would you put down? I'll put I'll put dream job. That kind of uh, I'll ask them the dream. Could be if they've already got the dream job, but it's uh, I'll put that down. Yeah. And let me have a look. Before I give the penultimate question, which you all know is coming because you've listened to the podcast lots. So, right, what is the best bit of advice and who was it from you've received and the worst bit of advice? I can't remember who it was from, but someone once said, never take your eye off yesterday's money. As in, basically, like, businesses don't fail because of the lack of business. They fail because of the lack of cash flow. Yeah. So it's like, you know... We are we we do mainly sort of get get money up front and stuff like that, but we do commercial work and things like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, don't take your eye off that money that's kind of owed in, and because you can run into trouble, can't you? That's how you run into trouble. Yeah. People don't just stop coming through the door overnight. It's it's cash flow that kills you, isn't it? Well, they can't they can't the the market can slow down, but it's uh, some the market. So the clientele can slow down, and it bought in it in well. I'll I'll tell you why I'm saying that. When I had my shop that was similar to yours, we'd grown and grown and grown and grown. Then we spent too much of our retained earnings, that our cash flow, uh, on a shop refit. Um, and then when the taps turned off in eight, 2018, so as in the, the amount of people buying at that current time turned off, there wasn't enough cut cash to carry it, and that's what swallowed it. So, but exactly as you're saying, look after yesterday. If I had looked after yesterday's money, you know, I would have would not had to learn that very hard lesson very quickly. So yeah, it's all about cash flow is king. I think they say, isn't it? So it's uh, so yeah, it's uh, I certainly learned that the hard way, but I live and learn. But yeah, yeah. that. And um, yeah. what's the worst bit of advice you've ever received? Not really advice as such. It was all um, our only golf day with. A lot of retailers and stuff who were playing was playing golf with a guy, and he, we were on about cash flow. And he said, um, "You pay your VAT bill on time." And he just starts laughing me head off. I thought, oh. yeah. <laughs> "You got cash flow problems," and you started telling me, you know, you think like the best thing to do is like not pay the VAT man. Like that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing you could ever do. It's like <clears throat> you're going to mess people about. <clears throat> excuse me, with payments, like you don't mess them about the ears. You know what I mean? It's like. I just couldn't believe my ears sort of thing. And it were like, it were kind of, we were talking about cash flow and he were like kind of sort of telling me his way of doing it. And they were like, no, no, we're not going to follow you up on that bit. I think my granddad used to say that um, about, he said, can't be what we used to, he used to just tell me it monthly. And it never, it always stuck to me. He said, the only people that you need to make sure you can pay first. So was I'm sure he said that the Batman, the tax man and the funeral director, he said, don't worry about anything else. Just make sure that's paid. Like, that's just pay them first. Just pay them first. It's not even your money. And it just just stuck with me. And yeah, yeah it's it's like, it's not even your money. If it's, it shouldn't even be in your, well, obviously not in your cash flow. But what I mean is it should be in a separate account because it's not yours. You're collecting it for, for Rishi type of thing. So it's like, you can't even class it as cash flow because it's not yours. So there are, there's plenty of people that are playing, playing with that uh, that fire that's, you know, um, yes, you sometimes got to get yourself out of, but uh, there's some certainly interesting ways of using cash flow that aren't yeah. very productive and all of that. Right, and the final question, right, um, as you'll be ready for it, what's holding you back? Yeah. And it, can't, it can't be man management. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've had that one. Yeah. Same, same thing that kind of a lot of, lot of people have answered the question is, is, is me, is, yeah, self-doubt. Unworthiness, all them sort of sort of thoughts that yeah. You... And how have you had to work through that? But it probably stems from stems from growing up. I don't want to get all deep and emotional sort of thing, but they're like growing up when the old man left, kind of like it really, it really, really kind of devastated me at the time. Yeah. And I kind of like he was my hero, and uh, him leaving like really knocked to me, like confidence wise, and you don't know what effect that. Yeah, it was only till like maybe late mid twenties, early thirties that kind of knew that that was the problem. Yeah, kind of didn't really address that problem, and that kind of probably 
you call it a trauma or whatever you want to call it and yeah counseling things like that and talking about it and then yeah obviously we've got to an age where now i can understand it yeah why they separated and at the time i was too young to understand it and i didn't really yeah probably didn't get as the help understanding it that i needed at the time otherwise it wouldn't have been such trauma would it yeah so that's led in life to yeah doubt myself and not feel worthy and do you get me yeah no 100 getting it strangely you say that i had a conversation with someone this morning obviously i've done a lot of self-development lots but i understand that like taught behaviors as a child and what happened as a child completely impacts on what you're doing today now no matter how old you are and then like you know i had a great childhood you know went on brilliant holidays nice environment i my dad died when I was three, um, so I didn't have a dad, but that was down a heart attack, not any other reason. And, um, you know, so anyone asked, did you have a good upbringing? Yeah, a bloody brilliant upbringing. But probably down to my dyslexia, ADHD, or whatever you want to call it, or whatever, now being diagnosed, it's not like it. But what I mean is my learning skills. Um, I only ever did okay. And it was a conversation I had this morning that, you know, I always got C grades. I always got C and D. So my school reports were always mediocre. They were always just like, just good enough. There was never anything. And then someone said to me this morning, is your insistence for being exceptional because you weren't as a child? And I'm like, shit. I was like, wow, that just blew my head off. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't, I don't like for years, I was like, I don't want to be mediocre. I was like, I don't know, where, maybe from 10 to... 16 or whenever, whenever I left school, I was just mediocre and I was sick of being mediocre. And I'm like, how have I got to 39-year-old and not put two and two together? Why am I insistent on not perfection, but on results, results, results? Like we were talking about that, you know, getting a vinyl, like a little bed bathroom done for 80 quid or getting an eight grand Antico job. It's a result. And that's what gives you, I was getting like as a child, I was getting no fucking results. I was getting none. I was just being but a really fucking basic, not basic, basic, um, average. Average is the word. And I just didn't want to be average. And he said, is that, that's where the driver's coming from. I'm like, I mean, it just fell off. I'm like, wow. That's, yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the, um, like the entrance exam for the school that I went to. Like, what my friends that I'm friends with now didn't go to that school. <laughs> and that, exam kind of because they didn't go to that school they went to like what you'd class as inferior schools for them to for two of my friends out of a group of friends that i've got um they're the most successful in terms of sort of like career and yeah money but because they use that as a catalyst to prove people wrong because kind of not taking that exam or failing that exam at 11 basically in their minds they were kind of failure or yeah. not good enough. And they used that as a catalyst to drive the life forward to sort of show people, you know, I am, I am, you know, I am bright or I am clever. I'm going to be successful. And it's interesting that, yeah, when, yeah, how your childhood molds you. And like you say, I, I'm, my, my upbringing was absolutely brilliant. I kind of, I think at certain times of my life when I was past, the breakup I needed my dad, but you know, he couldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Cause he chose, chose a different life. Just, just, yeah, just to leave and totally understand why mom and dad are together. They're complete polar opposite people. <laughs> I don't understand how they got together, but back then, you know, traditions were different. You know, they got, people got together really young, didn't they? Um, they had my sister when my mom was 18. So it was just like the given, the thing to do would get married and, have more kids and then yeah they realize when they're being together how many years how would I like each other <laughs> so I, you know I mean it, it has repercussions done it does that but I'm fine I'm absolutely cock a hoop about life you know I've got my three kids got my my wife to be that's not going to happen to my kids do you know what I mean and so yeah talking about what's holding me back is 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 probably that yeah it goes back to that and it's like it's getting, it's deep diving into that. And that's what a lot, a lot of people avoid. So many people avoid deep diving into it 
but then getting the positive out, it gets you to the next stage. Um, yeah. And, you know, the next stage. So it's understanding it's like, it, dealing with it as such. Exactly. And it's like people like Ronaldo and stuff is like, the human beings at the end of the day, it's like, if you, what's saying if they can do it, you can do it. Like, standard football that he plays. I'm a lot about, we're all capable of pushing ourselves and, like, so dealing with that and not letting it hold you back anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And as you think, yeah, I've probably dealt with it too late in life. You know, I should have dealt with it a long, long time before that and it's not holding me back anymore. Do you know what I mean? Love that. Uh, so for the listeners on the podcast, where can they, where you're lurking on social media, everything like that, right? Give us give us the deals. So, yeah, Instagram, Stevie S. Carpets and Flooring. I'm going to be doing loads more Insta off the back of that, Ian. <laughs> Ian's inspiration. But yeah, um, yeah, if anyone wants to uh, reach out through Instagram, or Ryan at carpet and vital showroom.co.uk, drop me an email. Yeah, happy to, happy to chat anytime. I don't really know many people in our trade until like come and met yourself and kept myself to myself. But you know, there's some there's some great people. Like it's really good listening to sort of the synergy of how people have got to where they've got. Yeah, um, yeah. with the forecasts that you do and yeah, get yeah, reach out. Anybody who wants to talk? Love it. Right, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on the. Uh... Podcast been a great one. This great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Don't forget, if you want more information about Roomvo, visit their website getroomvo.com. That's get.roomvo.com. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.